Hello, this is Dominic Kearns with the Rising is One podcast. Before we begin this week's episode, we just want to give a few shout-outs to our sponsors, Firebird Rising, The Beautiful Game Network, and Oro Brewing Company. Oro Brewing Company is located in Mesa, and feel free to use the code word RISING after any Phoenix Rising victory or during the off-season and get happy hour pricing for your drinks. Firebird Rising is available at firebirdrising.coreair, K-O-R-R-A-I-R, .com, BGN FM for the Beautiful Game Network website. And then if you want to give us any feedback or ratings, please go to iTunes or Stitcher and do that. Any ratings or feedback would be greatly appreciated. And now, let's get on to the show. Hello, this is Dominic Kearns with the Rising as One podcast, and we hope that you're having a happy holiday season, whether it's Christmas, Hanukkah, Festivus, or whatever else you're celebrating. We hope it's a very fun holiday season. How are you doing, Jeff? Uh, doing great, Dominic. Uh, just like you getting ready to uh, enjoy the holiday season here with family and friends, and uh, uh, it's been a, been a great year, and Uh, Looking forward to an even better 2018 uh, to come. Definitely. So we have a lot, again, to get through on this podcast. Tons of new signings, some great fan questions, MLS expansion news. Should we jump right into it? Let's get right into it. Let's let's get started and talk about all the, uh, the great signings. Uh, over the past two weeks, uh, starting with, uh, you know, we go back to December 12th uh, when the team announced they had signed uh, John Burner, the goalkeeper from Colorado Rapids, who uh, Phoenix Rising had on loan for a few weeks uh, this past season when uh, when Carl Wazinski went down with, with an injury to his rib. Uh, you know, didn't see any playing time, but I think learned a lot while he was down here with Patrice Carterone and you know when when uh, Colorado decided they were not going to keep him, you know, a good decision by by Patrice and, and the staff to sign to sign Burner uh, to get him in here for the 2018 season. Uh, definitely, it will be a solid addition to the staff. We'll see where he kind of slots in as as we look forward to the preseason coming up in a couple of months. So, and then uh, the next day they signed 19 year old San Antonio uh, Devin Vega. Scored three goals last year for the club. Uh, kind of fell out of favor with San Antonio. Uh, you know, started as a as a product in the FC Dallas uh, system, and, and just just never seemed to find his way over there. I think he'll be a you know a good addition to this club. I think he'll find a uh, you know he'll find a slot somewhere. He may not be in the starting eleven, but I think you'll you'll see him you know get some solid minutes for this club and then obviously the biggest signing of last week uh by far thursday was the signing of san antonio midfielder and all 
all USL league selection, Billy Forbes. Uh, can't ask for a greater signing than getting Forbes over here in this club. Ten goals uh, last year for San Antonio FC was definitely a driving force. Obviously created a lot of havoc, you know, for Phoenix Rising when he played against this club uh, last season in the two games that they played. Uh, you know, a great wing player. In my estimation, I think he, you know. I think that's where he's going to end up being slotted most of the time. You know, I think he'll take some of the pressure off of you know off of Drogba, and I think he'll take some of the pressure maybe off of Jason Johnson when he finds his way into the lineup. But I think you know, last week three great signings by this club, and you, you couldn't go wrong with any of those three. No, you really can't. And one thing to think about with Billy Forbes. Because we have so much depth at a lot of positions, you can see some guys come in and out of the starting lineup, but I think you're going to see Forbes just be a mainstay in the starting 11. Whether he plays left wing, whether he plays right wing, whatever he needs to do, because he's in the prime of his career, because he made USL first team last season, I think he might, if not lead the team in starting caps this season, be very close to it. Um, Whereas other people might rotate in and out like a Rigi, like a Colin Fernandez, you're going to see Billy Forbes regularly in that starting 11. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. And like, you know, like I said with the other two, you know, it'll be interesting to see how Burner slots in there. It'll be interesting to see how Vega slots in there. I think Vega's going to be fighting for some time, but I think this this could be a good year for him to learn a lot of things, you know, cuz especially you know there's a guy or two on this club that's going to be uh you know, heading away from this team, you know, after 2018. So, you know, to, to learn from some of the players that are there and, and then, you know, maybe he finds a starting slot come 2019, you know, maybe, maybe this is a year for Devin Vega to really learn some things about, about his game and about where he fits and, and, and stuff like that. So I think that'll be an interesting thing to watch, you know, for next year as well. Then we'll move into the signings that they made uh, this last week. Let's start uh, with with Monday's signing. They signed 23-year-old defender Joe Farrell from Rochester Rhinos. Obviously, everybody knows the situation with Rochester. Uh, not going to be playing in the 2018 season due to some issues with uh, not only stadium, but obviously ownership issues back there. Uh, you know, You hate to see those things happen to players like that, but obviously... You know, to make a signing of, of this caliber, you know, former uh, Rookie of the Year candidate uh, will definitely be a force in that center back position. Obviously, you know, when you lose a Peter Ramage and a Jordan Stewart, who were two main stalwarts last year in the center back positions, uh, you know, Farrell's going to definitely slot right in there in that center back position, probably most likely with with Duichi Mala in the middle. So that'll that'll make for an interesting pairing of of two guys there uh, then you move into to signing on tuesday of uh fc cincinnati goalkeeper dallas j uh fans of fc tucson will remember that name as dallas j played in fc tucson from 2013 to 2015 uh jay last year was the backup in fc cincinnati to Mitch Hildebrand uh, only saw action in one game last year. Obviously, Mitch Hildebrand, uh, a great goalkeeper in FC Cincinnati, and, and obviously moved on 
to bigger and better things as he's going to be playing uh, with Atlanta United and MLS next year. So it's be an interesting, uh, you know, to see where to see where Dallas J slots in. Obviously, with the signing of J, that gives Phoenix Rising uh, three goalkeepers for twenty seven or twenty eighteen, and obviously the odd man out, as everybody knows. Uh, Josh Cohen will not be coming back for 2018. Uh, you know, obviously the guess there is that he has a he has a, a gig lined up somewhere else. We'll see where he signs in the next uh, few weeks. And and obviously, you know, we wish Josh the best of luck. I mean, he did nothing but solid work for us in net. But uh, obviously, you know, the the team has decided to go in a different direction. Uh, then you go on to Wednesday signing with Colin Fernandez, uh, 20-year-old midfielder. Uh, spent most of last season with uh, Tulsa Tulsa. Rednecks. Uh He was drafted by Chicago. Uh, just didn't didn't find his spot in Chicago, obviously, and you know had a good season in Tulsa. Scored, uh, I believe it was. Let me look at his stats real quick. But I believe it was three goals last year that he signed. take a look did he score against us i don't remember if he scored against us he scored one goal and two assists last year in 28 matches so had the club's uh, second best passing percentage in the opponent's half uh has also represented the united states uh, as a member of their uh, u18 and u20 teams so obviously he has some international experience uh Definitely will, will, will be an interesting uh, fit for this club. I think he'll be, you know, he'll be a great, a great player. Uh, will definitely find himself some definite minutes with this club. Uh, you know, I, I think that was a great signing. And then the final signing of the week, uh, which we got to give props to uh, Kyle Kepner, our buddy at Firebird Rising, for getting on top of, of this story. Uh, but the signing of uh, Solomon Asante. Solomon Asante, yes, uh, Ghanaian international. Uh, obviously, uh, you know a Patrice Carteron player uh, fell out of favor with his club, uh, but <clears throat> you know Patrice keeping his line of of bringing players over from the club where he just came from. Obviously, you know, he was very successful over there in Africa, uh, you know, in his time. You know, Awako, now Asante, uh, obviously a huge signing for this club. Yeah, I mean, you have to put him potentially on par, if not higher than Billy Forbes. If you're talking just about the international experience, Solomon Asante has the most international experience of any of these guys. He's actually played for the Ghanaian national team. He has 17 caps. So he has been a pretty solid part of that roster for several years. Um, really short. He's going to be the new short guy in town, five foot two, And he's 27, so he's right in the prime of his career. You know, Carterone has a way of getting two players and really getting them to understand his vision, you heard with Gladson Awako those surprising words about how he felt like a father figure, how Awako viewed Carterone as a father figure, 
And clearly, that impact has been felt by several players because now you have Asante coming from Africa, from TP Mzembe, over to play with him and Awako and Drogba for Drogba's last season. As far as some of these other guys, Colin Fernandez is going to be a fun pickup. He just bolsters our midfield depth, which is already really impressive. I think Dallas J is more of an insurance policy in that because Burner and Waz, that's not necessarily the order I see it going. I think Waz has the upper hand going into preseason, but Jay is probably an insurance policy, as he was in FC Cincinnati. And then Joey Farrell, that's a name that you should be familiar with because he will start at one of the central back positions. That seems like a clear replacement with... Uh, Peter Ramage retiring after this season with Jordan Stewart not returning. This seems like a move made to clearly fill one of those holes, and I imagine he'll be our opening day starter and a regular as long as he stays healthy. So very exciting to see that. And yeah, definitely. It, it is unfortunate what's happened to Rochester, though, but it sounds like they have chances or at least a chance to get back in for 2019. So let's yeah, wish definitely. them the best. And it'll definitely be interesting to see where they slot in 2019. Will they slot with USLD2 or will they slot in the new DSL, uh, USLD3 league? Uh, there had been some talks uh, earlier in the last week or two that, that they may choose to slot down into that new D3 league. Uh, you know, and the league has is, 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 uh, put out a statement last week saying that uh, they were going to, in, in early 2018, announce some of the sites for, uh, you know, the D3 League uh, for 2019 when, they cho- when they're when they choosing to open. So be interested to see when the league puts out that statement if Rochester is one of those first clubs that, that will slot down to D3. But, you know, getting back to this club roster, let's, you know, let's, a- let's ask the obvious questions now at this point. Now, obviously now the, the club is sitting at 17 players on the roster for twenty seven or for twenty eighteen. Obviously the big names you're not seeing that haven't been signed yet, and obviously Josh Cohen obviously is not gonna be with this club next year because we do have three goalkeepers signed. You know, but another name that keeps glaring out there from the twenty seventeen roster that has not been signed yet that you're wondering why not, uh, is is Luke Rooney. Yeah, and, and my take on this is in general, if there's any name that you're curious about and you haven't seen that player either be announced as a returning player or as a new signing, you have to assume that they're not going to come back. Now, maybe we'll get a couple surprises in the next weeks. Maybe we will see one or two late announcements. But at this point, I'm assuming that Luke Rooney is out. And the reason I say that is because He put in a lot of great work with our club. No one's going to deny that. He has not played a minute under Patrice Carteron. We don't know what he's going to even be able to play like after such a gruesome injury. And Patrice Carteron doesn't know that either. And we have a stacked midfield now with all of these new guys coming, with Rigi being announced to return, um... There are so many others. Uh, where yeah, keep on yeah, keep yeah, on keep Lambert, on Lambert's coming back. You know, you know, you had you know, you had a Waco. You now have Asante. You now have Hernan. 
you know, Hernandez. I mean, you got, you got Forbes that can play many positions. Yeah, I mean, you're looking at, at, at six, seven guys in that midfield now where it's so stacked that where do you find time for all of them, obviously. And so if this is the last that we've seen of Luke Rooney, I mean, everyone hopes that he finds a great place, a great situation for next season. Uh, everyone, us included, is super thankful for what he has done going back to the Arizona United years, scoring the first goal at the Phoenix Rising Soccer Complex, you know, actually being our leading scorer in the early parts of the season, keeping us afloat in some of those games. You know, he scored both goals in the LA 2 win, our first franchise win as Phoenix Rising. So, you don't, you definitely can't say enough about Luke Rooney, what he's done, what he means to the team. Unfortunately, this is a business and... I just don't know where we're going to find playing time for him. So that's why I would assume he's out. Same goes for Josh Cohen with three goalies now already signed. And another name that has me scratching my head is Sean Wright Phillips. Because we saw he can still play at a high level. And I was I was of the thinking he would play one more season and then retire when Drogba retires. But we still haven't heard any news to confirm that. So... He's one of those ones where I could see them announcing it kind of late. Oh, he will be back for one more year. But he could also be done. And if that's the case, you know, we got to thank him for those two incredible winning goals. You know, the goal that helped us clinch our playoff berth at Portland, too. And just for getting butts and seats, too, his impact was fantastic. But it's very possible we've seen the last of Sean Wright Phillips. Not just in a Phoenix Rising uniform, but at all. Yeah, you're definitely right there. And, you know, you look at the roster from last year, and it's just it's amazing where it's where it's come from in, in, in just a year's time to, to, you know, and even just to have quality players like a Sean Wright Phillips, like a Didier Drogba, like a Luke Rooney, like, you know, an Omar Bravo just to come here and to kind of, I don't know if you want to say get soccer kickstarted in Arizona, but maybe it's more of, you know, a regeneration, I guess you could say, because, you know, there, there are fans here, obviously you've seen it the number of times they've hosted, whether it's gold cup games, whether it's world cup qualifier games, whether, you know, anything like that, you know, there is a passion for soccer here and it's just a matter of trying to find that right niche and and you know obviously you know you know with mls you know down the road a possibility you know for this city you know obviously it would be a a great get and you know to get the to get the fan base out and, and to get them enjoying soccer again you know would would be great to see right so for those people that aren't coming back or potentially may not be coming back, a big thanks, a big round of applause, and we really have to be appreciative for what they've done. Um, You probably won't see the club give formal announcements on too many of these because the formal announcement would likely come from either the player himself or a new club if they're signing the guy. Uh, But with that, I think it's time to move forward to the next segment, which is MLS expansion news. 
we heard about Nashville officially getting the 24th spot in MLS. That was announced on Wednesday. Uh, it was also announced that the other two bids are not going to be announced until early 2018. So that means Cincinnati, Sacramento, Detroit are still waiting. Also means that Miami is still waiting. And Miami, remember, was supposed to be in this league many a year ago. But it looks like things are finally rolling for them. They finally have acquired the land. MLS approved the new owners in that group. So it's looking likely that Miami and one other team will be announced in early 2018. Yeah, um, you know, congratulations to Nashville for for getting things, uh, you know, put together for them. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, the the Wolf family, you know, who's big, uh, you know, the ownership group of the my uh, the Minnesota Vikings, obviously, is is the big spearhead uh, of this new Nashville group. Obviously, getting the bonds together with the city to get the stadium built, which will be supposedly up by twenty twenty one. Uh, according to their, you know, their hopes and, and wishes. So, you know, they, they've obviously <laughs> turned some heads, you know, with, with, with some gold cup numbers that they had. And so, you know, congratulations to Nashville on what they've done. Now it's on to stage two, which is let's see where, you know, if FC Cincinnati wins out or if Sacramento Republic wins out for that final spot, you know, and, and whoever loses out obviously becomes, you know, the favorite, you know, as you go into round two, you know, obviously with Phoenix sitting there with Detroit, with whether it's Detroit or, or Cincinnati or Sacramento being the other favorite, obviously sitting there. And then you're looking at, you know, could San Diego, you know, sneak their way into, you know, that second round? Could St. Louis find their way back in somehow? You know, that'll be interesting to see, you know, where that second round obviously gives Phoenix more time, you know, to find, you know, deeper pocket owners, you know, to 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 get into that second round obviously gives them more time to hopefully acquire a majority of the land that they need, you know, for the stadium project. Obviously having to go through the Bureau of Land Management uh, is is a big key. And so, you know, that'll be interesting to watch in the months ahead. Yeah, and it it you definitely understand why Nashville was the first team selected. They got all their ducks lined up. They had the Wolf family join the ownership group, so they had the funding in place. And they had a local government that was very supportive of giving Don Garber what he needed. Um it is a little bittersweet though because you don't if you look at the selection criteria, one of those is a history of you know, a rich soccer passion in the area. And you really have only seen that in the last year or two. I mean, the the justifications for that are basically, look at the 45,000 people we had at Nissan Stadium for the U.S. Gold Cup match this summer, and look at how good their fans are for the Nashville Predators when they made the Stanley Cup Finals this year. When they really weren't thought of as a sports town at all until this year um to me it shows that primarily the mls is focused on the money aspect and not really whether it's a great sports town so to speak i think that's 
that's uh, just trying to save face with that uh, prong of the selection criteria. As far as moving forward, you have to imagine that, I mean, Miami's going to get in in early 2018, and then at this point, Cincy and Sacramento are neck and neck. On one hand, you feel like Sacramento is further with the stadium, but on the other hand, Cincinnati might have better funding in place. And so we'll see if any developments happen between now and when that next announcement is made to put one city in the lead over the other, which I, I, I still don't feel bad about our chances for the last round because you're going to have the Cincinnati-Sacramento loser. You're going to have maybe Detroit, maybe San Diego, and us. Detroit, San Diego, us, and maybe some city can get their thing together between now and then, like St. Louis or something. I like our chances against maybe Detroit, maybe uh, San Diego, maybe St. Louis. If that's what we're up against and we can get a plot of land and some investors, I like our chances to get that spot 28. But it's still so far away. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you there. And, and, you know, the other interesting thing about, you know, this this second uh, expansion team is, you know, the letter that uh, Sacramento Republic owner Kevin Nagel sent out this past week, uh, you know, kind of kind of caught a lot of eyes of people, you know, saying, hey, uh, maybe we need a little help. <laughs> What are, what are your thoughts on that one? Uh, yeah, hint, hint, wink, wink. That was definitely the message. Hey, uh, Vivek, Ranadiv, King's owner, you want to throw some money our way? Hey, uh, Silicon Valley investors, want to throw some money our way? Hint, hint, wink, wink. That, that seemed to be the uh, takeaway from that message, is that everything else is in place, but there is still concern that they could lose out at least in this round for MLS, because they don't have what Don Garber feels to be the necessary funding. You know, and the other interesting thing to think about too is okay, the you know expansion fee they said was 150 million for this round. That fee could easily go up in the next round. I mean, it, you could be looking at 200 to possibly even 250 million for the next round, you know, of expansion fees and and. If that be the case, boy, you're now you're definitely looking at having to really come up with some more investors. So you know, the pressure is probably on Sacramento right now to get into this round because I think if they were to go into the second round and try to come up with a two hundred, two hundred fifty million dollar expansion fee, I don't know that they could write. I don't know that they could raise the funds to do that. So, so I think their hope may be in this first round. Yeah, and. I mean, especially if we can amass a group or amass a couple investors that can raise that money. Now you're looking at Phoenix versus Sacramento. Which market does Garber want in MLS more? I don't <laughs> think you can have much of an argument there for Sacramento. I don't think, I don't think you can either. Uh, one other thing, if you're interested in the financial aspects of MLS expansion, go back and read the Ringer article from Micah Davis 
a couple weeks ago about Phoenix Rising because I know some people may have missed it or even if you read it you weren't focusing too much on the financial aspects but he really does explain why MLS fees can go up why it's not a surefire successful investment and kind of the factors that are at play for Phoenix Rising when we're talking about a potential MLS bid so go back and reread that I found that fascinating um, yeah definitely but I think I think at this point we can probably move to our next segment which is the supporter section questions um, we've had a great segment the last few weeks where supporters have been asking really good questions and it was no different this week we had some absolute doozies the first one we kind of touched on a little bit, but we can go back to it. Uh, and it was a question that was Luke Rooney related. You know, the real question, let, let's just open a couple of these up. Let's see. Okay, so we've... This is Kyle Mackey's, and you can find him at keys mac on twitter the real question though do we think luke rooney gets a chance to come back or has phoenix rising moved on i think we touched on that unfortunately probably the latter another question from kyle mackey i, I think the interesting before you before you move on to the other question from kyle i think the interesting thing is you know luke rooney doesn't come back where does he land um two interesting places that i could see him landing I could see him landing in Fresno just because of the Frank Yallop ties. Or I could possibly see him being in Vegas with the new expansion franchise there in Vegas, maybe not wanting to stray too far from where, you know, where he's been lately. So, I mean, those, those might be two interesting places to see where he lands. If, if that comes of. Yeah, I was going to mention Vegas, but you, you kind of stole the thunder there. That is a good potential destination. And, you know, there are other ones too. So we'll see. We'll see what happens there. But again, best of luck to Luke Rooney if he won't be returning. Another question from Kyle Mackey. And this one I think is fantastic. Would you rather win the USL Cup or MLS expansion slot next season? <laughs> wow. That is a great question. Um, Preference, I'd rather have the expansion spot than the, than the cup. As much as I would love to see us win a championship, which I know I think we can do with the club that we have, having that expansion slot and knowing that you're going to be playing with the big boys would definitely be something that I would want. Yeah, I, I certainly understand the USL Cup side to it. Because you want to send Drogba off, right? You want to send him off with a title. You, We have, on paper, one of the two or three best rosters in USL right now. Um, you know, maybe you could see arguments made for Cincinnati or Louisville. Um, as far as the West is concerned, though, I think at this point we do have the strongest roster. So you'd like to see that cup, but I'm with you. I'd rather have MLS expansion because that's going to take soccer to a whole new level in the Valley. 
And this is really a market that should have MLS. There's no franchise within over 300 miles in any direction. You know, all the all the points that have been made before. Huge Latino population. Um, lots of millennials moving in. Phoenix needs MLS. And, you know, if not next season, when are we going to get it? So, yeah, for me, I'm, a, I'm with you. I would take MLS, but that's a great question. We might have to throw that up on the Twitter page. See yeah. what people say. You know, you know, one of the other things that I think MLS that we have in our favor that would help is one of the t- you know we're one of the top TV markets that doesn't have an MLS franchise. And obviously, ad revenue dollars are huge in in MLS's mind, and when you can have a, a market like that, which is one of the best markets in all of all of this country. And to not have that market tapped yet, obviously, you know, that's one of the things that MLS is definitely looking at for sure. Mm-hmm. And then here's another question, uh, a question that is coming from a really good listener who's been listening to us for a while, the vibe at Justin Vibs on Twitter. He asks, what signing has the potential to make the greatest impact this year, and what is the next position do you think that needs attention? Wow. Um, biggest signing. Let's, let's start there. I think, I think it's right now, if you had to pin me down on one, I'd say it's Billy Forbes. I mean, that is a huge signing for this club. Um, to, to get somebody that is an all league selection to leave a place like San Antonio that, that's been so focused on everything the last couple of years um to get somebody with 10 goals you know obviously knows the game real well is in the prime of his career i think that is that that's a huge signing for this club i mean you can't ask for anything better as for what position do they need to focus on next i think they need to get some depth on the back line um Obviously, right now, we're only sitting at five players. You know, if you look at, at, at the current roster, what we have, you're looking at Cody Wakasa, Victor Vasquez, Duich Mala, Joe Farrell. Uh, you've got a, an Amadou Dia that can play both left back and, you know, up in the midfield. So, I mean, you've got five guys there. I think you need a, at least a couple more defenders, especially with the way schedules work out and... You know, you, you, you get into Open Cup at some point and, and stuff like that. So then you're playing, you know, four games in 14 days or you have the, you know, you won't have as much of the annual Cascadia trip now that Vancouver's not in the league next year's, but you'll still have the trip to Seattle and Portland. And most likely, if you're to do it right, you swing down and you possibly play uh, Sacramento and Fresno at that point. So, you know, you make a four you know, you could make a possibility of a four-team run there as well. Um, yeah, we need some depth at the back position right now, and that's, that's I think, where the next focus needs to be. That's what I was going to say, and I'll even go one step further. I think, in particular, the central backs. We need to get at least one more center back, because right now you're going with Duigi, Mala, and Farrell, which I think is okay, with Amadou Dia being able to slot in if needed into one of those positions, but we saw when Dia played center back, he was 
a little bit outstrengthened by some of the bigger teams, by some of the stronger players up front. Uh, and you could tell that he was more comfortable playing left back. So I want to get a true center back, at least one more really solid center back signing. Even if that is a guy that's, you know, not necessarily the most proven, a guy straight out of college, something like a Cody Wakasa last year, who we signed the day before opening night. We just, at least me, I want to see more depth at that position because we know that Mala sometimes can accumulate yellow cards. We don't know anything about Farrell, about his injury history, and sometimes freak things happen. So I want to see more depth at center back in particular. And if we could get another wing back, that's good too. But I I like Wakasa, I like Vasquez, I like Dia at those positions. So we could maybe get one more guy just for depth, but I really do want to see a center back that can start some matches for us. Because you're right. Yeah, definitely. We're gonna, I definitely agree with you. We're going to need another one for road trips, for cup matches, if we want to make a good cup run this year. So. Oh, yeah. I, no, I totally agree with you. I, yeah. yeah, center back is definitely was one place where when Stewart and Ramage were down, we kind of struggled. Now, Grant, Luigi Mala played well there. Like you said, you know, Amadou Dia slotted in there a couple of times. But, like, I agree with you. Uh, Amadou Dia is not the strongest person in a middle position. He's stronger when he's using his speed and using his abilities out there that way. That's where his real strength is. So, yeah, I think center back has to definitely be a focus. You know, I hate it, you know, you know, we go back to last year so many times. We hated to see Uchenna Uzo go, but he was that guy that was just definitely so rock solid. I'd love to see him sign a guy similar to that just to, you know, to bolster that position a little bit. For sure. And our last question, what are your thoughts on these new signings and who are you most excited to see on the pitch? And this user is, uh, one second here. This is SVBV at underscore SVBV, SBVB on Twitter. <laughs> Going with the tongue twister there. <laughs> um, you know, the one I think that'll be interesting to watch will be Asante. I mean, you know, we know what we, you know what you're going to get from Forbes. You've heard of Burner and his experience. You've you know you've you've heard of Joe Farrell if you followed the league enough, you know. But the you know I think the one guy that will definitely be interesting to watch will be Asante and see where he fits in. Obviously, Patrice Carteron knows his style, knows where he's going to play in this system. So obviously, he's got he's got an idea in his mind of how he wants to use him. Whether that's going to be in that holding mid position. Uh, you know, sitting back there, you know, with with Lambert, or whether that's somewhere up in the front, you know, you know, we'll see, we'll see where he slots with with this club. But I think he's the the most intriguing to me right now is to see where he's going to end up being. I like that answer. I was thinking about that as far as you know, guy that could bring some flair to the pitch, get us on a couple of those USL Skills of the Week videos. I think Asante is a guy to keep your eyes open for. Um, and I think everyone loves, you know, the short guys that can blow by defenders. I think it's just a crowd favorite regardless of sport. Uh, 
you can think of like a Nate Robinson in basketball for so many years. But uh, for me, I'm really excited to see Devin Vega. Um, I mean, Vega is so young. He's only 19. And I'm excited to see how he develops. I'm excited to see the kind of impact he makes as a super sub. Um, hopefully he can get some good run in some of these matches. Hopefully he can get some good starter starts and develop as a player because he was on that uh, 20 under 20 list as far as guys with a lot of potential. And then, you know, the other one is Billy Forbes that just jumps out. I would say that they're 1A and 1B. Sorry, San Antonio FC. Um, Forbes was an absolute terror against us last year. Uh, one only needs to go back and watch that winning goal they scored in San Antonio against us, where I think Forbes blew by three or four defenders before setting up the goal. Um, and you've seen Forbes on some goal of the weeks. You've seen him on a lot of skill of the week videos. So he's in the prime of his career and having so many other fun attacking players around him. I can't wait to see how he slots in because he's one of those guys, you know, is going to produce. So, Oh yeah. You, you definitely know he's going to produce for sure. So I think that does it for supporter section questions. And I think we're almost done here. We had this. Well, one, one of the, one of the other interesting things we'll talk about, um, was an article that Kyle Kepner put out this past week, uh, talking about some of the, uh, changes to, uh, stadium improvements for the 2018 season. Uh, you definitely saw that the you know some of the early things that were already announced were, you know that were still in that article that they're moving the benches across to the other side of the field. Uh, you know they're they're putting in a they're putting up a media tower on that side. You know to make it a little bit easier for broadcasting purposes. Um, you know I think one of the interesting a couple of the interesting points that came out of that that'll be definitely good for fans. Um, First of all, Mobile Mini, one of the new sponsors of the club, uh, is going to build a more permanent uh, structure for concessions for next year. So that'll be great to see, replacing the the catering tents that you saw all over the place. So you'll see a more permanent structure now in that position, which will be great to see. I think the other great thing to see is that there's going to be a separate gate for season ticket fans. That, I think, is huge. You know, It shows that the club is thinking about their – their season ticket holders first and foremost to give them a special place to go through. I mean, obviously, you know, you know, getting in and out of the stadium wasn't really a big, huge issue last year. You know, I, I thought everything worked really well. I mean, you know, my children went to quite a few games last year and never really had a problem getting in and out of the gates. So, you know, but I think for them to cater to the fans is a great thing to see. Uh, you know, that'll be nice, nice, you know, for the club to, to recognize them and to make them feel special. Yeah. I mean, you talk about getting in and out of the stadium. As far as, you know, once the car is parked, getting in and out of the stadium, <laughs> not too bad. Um, hopefully, I mean, I'm sure that they've heard complaints from people, but I'm sure that they're working on a solution to, to improve traffic flow for next year. One other comment that was uh, picked up on on that, on that article real bathrooms would be awesome definitely looking forward to a parking upgrade though so 
this commenter Heather hits on both those points, the parking upgrade and real bathrooms. There wasn't anything mentioned about that. Could that be something that gets addressed? We'll see. I mean, it's, uh, the porta potties and they're not too close to the stands. It, it works, but it's not the most glamorous thing. So we'll see. I, I think the only struggle you have there is, that, you know, be, because it is such a, you know, granted, it's a, it's a permanent facility per se, but I think the, the struggle they have there is that, you know, you're talking about running lots of sewer lines and stuff like that. And I, I see where the person would want that, you know, but I think, you know, I maybe, maybe you bring in more of the, of the, the not, not necessarily, not necessarily have the portal porta potties, you know, set up there as many, as many as they had, but maybe have more of those trailer type, uh, things available. I think it, I think when you see those types of setups more than you see the others, I think it makes you feel a little bit better about things. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, there are still months to go, and these are relatively small parts of the experience, but I'm sure that the ownership group, I'm sure that everyone involved with the stadium experience will think about these things if they aren't already and make some good improvements before the season starts. And so thanks again to Kyle for that article. And I think now we're ready to move on to our final thought. So most weeks we have our own final thoughts, our own final takeaways. But this week we kind of had the joint final thought that one, this is our last episode of the year. And two, so much has happened in the past 12 months. So we kind of wanted to just think about it, free flow a little bit about how many changes there have been uh, to the to the experience, to the on-field and off-field of supporting this club that we've known and loved, some of us for longer than others. So do you want to take us through that a little bit? Yeah, you know, you know, you think back to to November, you know, and when this club first announced its plans as to opening a stadium and opening a complex, you know, and creating this this great atmosphere, uh, you know, the vision the vision that the, that this ownership group had a year ago to start this process and to think we can put a stadium on this on this ground we can make it look beautiful we can have everything that everybody would ever want i mean that is such a such it was such a breath of fresh air to see that come out you know and and to you know and not just to put it out in front of the press and you know you have your season ticket holders sit, sitting right there in front of you and you're addressing them and you're making them feel important. I mean, I'm glad to see an ownership group that just sits there and its first thought is not itself. Its first thought is its fans. You know, go back to, you know, March when this stadium opens up after being built in 52 days. Yeah, they had some hiccups. And yeah, you know that's going to happen with any stadium that you build. You're going to have the hiccups. 
but did ownership just kind of sit there quietly and, and not do anything about it? No, they took to the offensive right away and took to take care of the situations that, that were there, answered questions, looked at the situation and said, okay, where can we improve? Did they hit the nail on the head? For the most part, they did. Did they still miss out on some areas? Of course they have. Nothing is ever going to be perfect, you know. But when you look at the overall what they did in in just a a three- or four-month period right there, you know, from coming up with the concept of the stadium to getting the land for the stadium to building the stadium to getting a team together that you could be proud of on the field, I mean, you couldn't ask for anything better from an ownership group than, than what you did there. Oh, definitely. And, you know, it's funny because this has dominated so many of our conversations in the last few months. Twelve months ago, no one was talking about MLS and Phoenix. Maybe the owners were themselves, but in the general public, that was not a real serious thought at all. We hadn't even announced a formal MLS bid. That didn't happen until late January 2017. At this point last year, uh, my friends and I hadn't got our season tickets yet. Um, Frank Yellup was still the coach. We hadn't signed Omar Bravo, Sean Wright Phillips, even some guys that were expected to boost things like Mike Seth. And so at that point, all people had known is a team that tries hard, a team that had a great owner in Kyle Ng, but still hadn't reached its potential at all and you fast forward 12 months and there has been so much development on the field off the field community outreach you don't even recognize where this organization is at if you just take a snapshot of right now and put it next to a snapshot of december 23rd 2016 what has happened in the last 12 months is one of the coolest things i've seen and I mean, of course, there's a there's a, a reason that they named it Phoenix Rising, but you can truly see an organization that's rising. Uh, it's finding its stature in USL from going to an also-ran to being one of the true powerhouse teams in USL, and that's happened very quickly. And then as far as its MLS ambitions, from being the last team, the last city to submit a bid, to being one of the cities that's being taken very seriously as a contender to get into MLS. Uh, and of course, you have to thank the fans too. Um, all the people that have supported this team from the very beginning, but especially the people that jumped on this year without really any history uh, to bring them in, without too much of a, too much of a soccer background in, in Phoenix and Arizona to speak of. But these people believed in the vision that this ownership group is putting out. It's been a collaborative effort. You know, fans, the players on the field coming together through some serious adversity. Three head coaches in this one season. And being able to give their best effort every night regardless. Set a franchise record in points. Make the playoffs. You know, if we're in the East, we're a two seed, so that's kind of unfortunate, but... Uh, and then even with guys coming in mid-season, 
with really no preseason to cohesively come together, even our opening roster in 2017 looked nothing like the starting 11 we had for our playoff match against Kansas City. So what an amazing 12 months, what an amazing ride it's been, you know, for Jeff and I, and Matt, if he was still here, would agree uh, on this podcast too. And it's just been so cool to cover all that. I don't know. Yeah, it's, you know, had, had you told me 12 months ago that I would be doing a weekly podcast talking soccer, I'd have told you you were nuts. You know, I mean, you know, I, I'm i thankful every day for Kyle Kepner for giving me an opportunity to continue to be a voice of soccer, you know, in this state. I mean, you know, I, I hope I reach enough readers to, to, you know, make it worthwhile to everybody that, that they enjoy what we do. Um, obviously there's more we would love to do and we're, we're still exploring even more things as we go forward. Um, you know, we're, we're wanting to do bigger and better things ourselves, you know, but you know, for, for Kyle to give me an opportunity to, to, continue to cover a sport that you know four years ago i was just a a, you know kind of a passive spectator and just you know yeah i i followed soccer from a distance and and followed a few teams but you know i never got into the in-depths of understanding positioning and understanding you know everything you know of that nature but you know i look back and i think you know the Arizona Republic gave me an opportunity four years ago to start covering a team that, you know, nobody really cared about. And, you know, and when that happened, you know, something special came about and, and I'm glad for that opportunity. And I love doing this every week. I love talking to people out at Phoenix rising games. When I'm walking around the complex, you know, somebody comes up to me, Hey Jeff, you know, it's great to hear your, your podcast again. And, you know, for the ones that I that I know that <clears throat> follow us on a regular basis, you know, you know, I'd love to get to meet more people on a regular basis, and hopefully, sometime this next year, if, if things work out, you know, maybe we do a a live post game podcast from inside the stadium where we can have fans come up and meet us, and you know, we're we're you know we're, we're definitely going to effort things like that in 2018 and see where it takes us, um, you know there's nothing but great things ahead for this club. I mean, when you bring in somebody from, you know, like a Sam door from San Antonio in the middle of the season to, to work with the fans and to really extend, you know, the outreach of this club, you know, Sam gets people excited. You know, he got P, you know, got people excited talking about different things during the season and, and, now with the off season, Sam is you know, you know, te- you know, from day to day is teasing, teasing fans. Hey, here comes another signing. Get ready, get ready for the next signing. And you know, hey, come to the holiday party and come meet our newest edition. And you know, a year ago, you didn't see any of that. I mean, you know, you were lucky to get a press release or two talking about a club signing or whatever the case may be. But the outreach has just turned so differently in a year. And it's it's a, amazing to see these things. I mean, you love to see it. You know, that's what you expect from a club. You expect constant 
contact and constant updating and constant information. You know, I mean, you even see information from the players. I mean, this last week, Carl Wazinski was was you know whether it was on Twitter or on Instagram. Uh, was giving away jerseys, you know, giving away goalkeeping jerseys, you know, for answering questions about himself. And, you know, how, how many places do you see players doing those sorts of things, you know, for their fans, you know, just, you know, you know, having fun. And that's what you love seeing. I mean, you look at the players signing autographs as they leave the field every week when we were there at the home matches. I mean, the players didn't, you know, the players weren't worried about hurrying off the field for the most part. You know, they were there spending time with the fans, making the kids happy, you know, and it's a great thing to see. I mean, I, I can't wait till February when, when this team gets the, the preseason rolling, you know, and you get three quality MLS expansion clubs come down here to Phoenix and come to play in this stadium. I mean, I, I can't wait to see this stadium fill up just for those three games, just so fans can see, you know, w- what MLS is all about. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's incredible. One of the takeaways I've had is that this organization, Phoenix Rising, never stops trying to improve, and that's very evident. Going back to that first season ticket holder event in January 2017 when they announced the kits, uh, when the owners were available to fans, when I was able to speak with Burke Bakai, get a first glimpse of what he sees in this club, what he wants this club to become. And then you look at all the on-field improvements, off-field improvements, community outreach like you were hitting on with Sam Dorr. This club never stops improving never stops trying to make the experience better. And that's something that we are going to try to do with this podcast too, because it's so easy to rest on your laurels, but we can't do that. We got to keep being consistent with our content, reaching out to you guys. The other thing too is if you are a fan that feels like you've seen some matches, but you want to get more involved, some other teams, they'll kind of keep you at an arm's length. I feel like Phoenix Rising, you can find a way to make it happen. Uh, you just got to reach out to some good people. If it's you've been to some games, you want to join a supporters group. The people at Bandidos or LFR are super welcoming. They'd love to show you around, give you a taste of what that's about. If it's wanting to get involved with Firebird Rising in some way, Kyle Kepner is the guy to talk to. But, you know, if, if he... If you pass his radar detector for uh, BS, somehow I passed it, and he gave me a chance. Um, I mean, getting to meet some of the people on that staff has been incredible. Not just Jeff, but also Aaron Blau, who takes a lot of great photos. Um, Jairo, who translates a lot of the articles into Spanish. Uh, So many other people on that staff. And if you want to get involved with that, talk to Kyle. He's a great guy. Um, Chad Smith too so there's just always a way for you to get more involved with this team you just have to find your niche find your way to make it happen but because there are so many great people in the front office because there's so many great people all around it's so easy to do and I've found that the experience is so much like a family 
it's just a family that happens to sell 7,000 seats for some matches, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that, that it is very cool. And, you know, we, we have one of the, you and I have one of the greatest jobs in the world to be able to talk soccer every week. And, you know, and I'm, I'm so appreciative of having that ability to do that. And, you know, to have such a, a great person as you to, to, to lead this podcast and to, and to take it to heights where <laughs> if we'd ever thought that we'd get 50 people to listen to this podcast, I mean, we'd have thought we were golden, but boy, we get, you know, we can get between 150 and 200 people, you know, a podcast to listen to us and, you know, BS about soccer for an hour. And, and yet we have great fans that follow us and great fans that give us great questions. And, you know, please, by all means, keep sending those great questions. We love talking about them on the air. Um, we, we have fun bantering about it. Uh, you know, we can't do this show without you guys. And, and, and it's, it's great that we have people that listen and great that we have people that care, you know, and, and, and to be honest, it's not just you, the fans. I mean, we have people in the front office that listen to us as well. And we're, you know, we're grateful that they, they do. We're grateful that they offer us the ability to talk to them whenever we want to. I mean, they, they have told us on a number of times, if there's anything we can do for you on the podcast, please just let us know. They've been great. They've been supportive. They've been wonderful. I mean, think back to the middle of the year when we had the great interview with David Rappaport, um, you know, especially when, when, when a tense situation evolved, uh, it was able to be taken care of quickly. And, and, you know, we've had conversations with, you know, with Sam Dore on this tele on this broadcast. I've had many a conversation with Bobby Dooley off air. I've had many conversation with Brett Johnson off the air, uh, I've met Burke Bakai on a number of occasions off air. I mean, just just a great group of people to work with, and a great group of people that are willing to do anything to to get the best information out to you guys. Uh, we're thankful for that for the ownership group. We're thankful for what we do here every week. Absolutely, and you know, just know that we're going to keep keep bringing the content. Uh, now that we have so many new signings, now that we actually have preseason matches at the phoenix rising soccer complex that's going to give us chances to actually do full interviews with players including a couple new signings maybe we'll get their voices out there for you maybe a billy forbes interview so that'll be something that we work on but we'll just keep working to make this as good as possible because it's a franchise that deserves uh something of a very strong quality um and and Jeff, don't sell us short. We had over three hundred listens on a few of those. Hey, well, well, hey, we take every one of them seriously. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right, I think that's gonna do it for this episode and for twenty seventeen. So, um, have a happy new year. We're not gonna be releasing another one till it is twenty eighteen. That's a weird thought. And you know, go rising. <laughs> Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and go rising, and we'll see you in 2018.